before Europeans arrived, before colonialism, my ancestors um, lived a very happy and rich life. Aboriginal people lived in small tribal areas. They had everything they had. The sea. Each family was associated with a certain area, a beach or a bay or a river. They had the ocean. They had the land, you know. Non-Aboriginal people from around the world think of us as nomads, but we were not. We moved around in the same way that wealthy European people would move between their summer house and their winter house. My family would go down to the sea when, when it's time to do their fishing. We'd live in maybe on the beach in summer and then move up into the hills in winter. You know, the weather's right, they'd go down there and when the weather's colder, they'd head away from the sea. And everybody had their summer house and their winter house and their spring house and their autumn house. And your camps were that regular. Stolen land! Stolen culture! Vice Vice Vice. News presents the Unfiltered History Tour. Colonialism. As told through 10 objects. I'm Rodney Kelly, a Gwaigal young man, and the Gwaigal shield in the British Museum now was stolen from my people. My name is Claire G. Coleman. I'm an Aboriginal person of the Noongar people. I am not of the Gwaigal people, but the theft of that shield was to me a symbolic act that says a lot about Australia. In 1770, Captain Cook arrived Um, on his ship, you know, the Endeavour, sailed up the east coast of Australia and he found a special spot, it was called Kamei, now it's called Botany Bay. He anchored his ship, you know, even before he come ashore, uh, there were two warriors, they were waving their spears around. He was trying to come ashore and the two warriors gave him that signal that he wasn't welcome. It's the first time that he came in contact with Aboriginal people and his own journal says that he shot at them and shot one of them. And Cook hadn't even got off the boat yet, so he wasn't even in danger. Aboriginal people had procedures to greet people who come from somewhere else. One of the procedures was to threaten people so they know that you're country is defended. You wave your spears at them and say back off and they back off and then you, then you talk. The way that Cook wrote about his landing in Gregor country and his shooting of that ancestor, he was acting like he had the right to be there and nothing could be further from the truth. There's this kind of this attitude the English explorers had, this weird attitude they had that wherever they went they were allowed to be there. When in reality if explorers landed in England back in 1770 people would have had a lot to say about it. They act like they have the this fundamental right to be wherever they want, when in reality they don't. The two warriors, you know, they were just forced to retreat and run away, leaving the shield on the shore and along with spears. Cook had the beach to himself. That's when he went up to the huts, picked up shields, spears, just anything they could find from the huts that were there. Cook sailed away, went back to England, and all the artefacts got distributed 
know, between museums, private collections and stuff like that. Captain Cook um, has a high cultural significance to white Australia. Cook sort of idolised as his great navigator, great explorer. There's plaques all over, statues ever saying, Captain Cook discovered Australia. When you look at the events of that day, you know, he, he ordered shots be fired before setting foot on the shore. Um, he wounded a man. Then anything they could find, they, they stole. People who were there that day and experienced what happened, to them, Cook would have been such an awful, you know, horrible person. It was Cook's landing in Botany Bay that was used to justify the formation of a colony in Sydney by the British. But his first landing in Sydney was also the first act of colonial violence because he shot somebody. And then he stole that man's shield. So you got the first act of colonial violence in shooting someone, the first act in stealing from that person, and then that landing was used to justify the theft of the land. So in the broader context of Australia, the theft of the Gregor shield and the bullet hole in it are intensely symbolic of the entire act of colonisation and what colonisation is, which is a theft of land, a theft of culture, a theft of everything, is symbolised by that shield, which is not even in this country. So it's continued to be stolen. And then we look at everything that's happened since 1770. So much has happened. 1788, Arthur Phillip landed in Sydney Cove and started a colony. And then we had the death of Pemelroy in Sydney, who was shot and his head removed and taken to England. From the first shooting in 1770, this, this shot that rang out through history... The colonial violence has gone on and on and on and on without stopping. They stole our land, they harmed children, they destroyed our culture, they banned our language. Until the 70s, or just before I was born, all mixed-race Aboriginal children were wards of the state automatically at birth. And now in 2021, the Western Australian government are still resisting giving my people our land back. There's been no forgiveness or reparation for the Western Australian stolen generations. There's all these horrible things in the law that profoundly affected my family that started with the colonisation of Gregal country, what is now Sydney, in 1788. The first time I went to London and I walked into the British Museum and I saw the shield where it lives, where it's been for for many years. It was just so empty and and it was so cluttered with thousands of other items and it was really sad, like... uh, Yeah, I really hated seeing how the shield is displayed Even though it was a really hard moment, an emotional moment, it gave me that sense of pride and power and drive to to want to do more. The government doesn't care about returning our land or protecting Aboriginal sacred sites. 
So I don't think they're going to care about getting a shield back because we want it. Every time we get artifacts or remains back from a um, place like the British Museum, it's Aboriginal activists from the families who were stolen from who get it back. Ever since then, I've been fighting for its return. We call on the British Museum to think about Indigenous Australia and give back any artefacts you have that were wrongfully taken. Now I go and do lectures, talk to uni students, talk to teachers, talk to the general public, just try and convince people, you know, these items need to be returned. You know, just trying to make people see how much they mean to me and to my people. It tells me and my people who we are and where we come from. It tells the true history of 1770 and what's happened after. And that history has always been kept silent and shied away from all the time. I want all school children to be able to view the shield and other items that were taken in 1770, hear the stories and start learning that, wow, since that first day, you know, Aboriginal people have been treated bad, you know? No, the people, public, we can put an end to museums hoarding Indigenous artefacts. Our land was stolen and our children were stolen and our artefacts were stolen and put in museums. There were things in the museums, and in fact the Weagle Shield is one of those things, that have on them no identifier of who they were stolen from, actually which person. So all these artefacts are disconnected from the culture they come from, disconnected from the name of their maker, dumped in places they don't belong. We learn people true history, then I know Australia is not going to be such a racist place and my people won't have to deal with daily racial abuse. No, my people won't be treated as non-human anymore. All looted artefacts and art should be returned. When you say to people that any gold or art looted by the Nazis should be returned to the people they stole it from, no one has a problem with that. But when I say things that everything, everything looted by colonial England should be returned to who they stole it from, people go, why should they have to? It's in a museum. Essentially, those artefacts being in another country dehumanises the makers of those artefacts. But it's not actually that difficult a thing to repatriate. The family who claim custodianship of that shield is known. You know, I really want to return them just for my ancestors, you know. The stuff what happened on that day was so wrong. A man being shot at, then they retreated, and then everything got stolen. The way I look at it is their voice needs to be heard, and it was never heard, and, and they'd love for these items to be returned home, you know, their spirits are still connected to those items. Their spirits can be at rest. This podcast was produced by Jesse Lawson with research from Marta Vanderwolf. Find out more about Claire's writing on Aboriginal history at clairegcoleman.com. 
This episode features sounds from BP or Not BP and Matt Morphus from freesound.org. The Unfiltered History Tour is a Vice World News production. 